You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good afternoon and welcome to America's Web Radio. And we're glad that you've joined us for... Uh, this is my favorite show. I, I No, I can't say that. I'd get everybody else upset. But the, the favorite show that I do with a favorite person and... Uh, it is Remembering Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And um, I have the honor and privilege of working with General Richard Dix, who was, uh, he was a big, big deal in Desert Shield and Desert Storm. And um, his commanding officer happened to be a guy named Norman Schwarzkopf. But anyway, that has nothing to do with what the show's about. What we talk about is really remembering... Um, all aspects and uh, things about Desert Shield and Desert Storm. We don't ever want to let one veteran feel like any of his time was wasted, and it certainly wasn't in during the days when we were invading or when we were defending Kuwait and uh, the Middle East. And it, uh, we can't forget them. But anyway, with that being said, uh, we're going to be entertained for the next few seconds. From General Dix. Hey, laddie, daddy. Hey, laddie, daddy. Hey, we're going on a little run. We're going to have a whole lot of fun. Hey, laddie, daddy. Hey, laddie, daddy. Hey, I can run Atlanta just like this all the way to Georgia and never quit. I can run to Columbus just like this. All the way to Benny, never quit, cause I'm airborne. All the way, PT, every day, Ariba, gut it out, Ariba, gut it out. Uh, you're gonna get an abbreviated version today, David, cause, uh, just as, uh, the Jody reflected, uh, if you wanna be airborne, you gotta be thin and you gotta be all in. And, uh, <laughs> we're coming to you live from, uh, North Carolina on our way back to Georgia. And uh, the wind is kicking up, and uh, if you were coming out of the back of a C-130 in this, you would have um, a whole lot of issues trying to get to the ground. So, deep, uh, deep trouble. Cut it short and uh, turn it back over to you. <laughs> and we have a special guest, I understand. Uh, yes, we have my five-star general who will uh, grace us with her presence today and give us a little insight from a spouse's point of view on... Um, you know, how spouses deal with uh, combat deployments, uh, both yesteryear and today, and uh, potentially for the future. And that's uh, Mrs. Cynthia Dix. You know, um, and welcome, by the way, Ms. Ms. Dix. Thank we you. appreciate you doing this. Um, you know, there's, uh, I think there's, there's two aspects of that, and one is the the wife or spouse that is on a base as compared to the one that is that uh, is married to a reservist that's been called up and deployed. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of difference there, and we'll talk about that. And, you know, Richard, one of the things that I, because of our friendship, I promote this show a lot with um, folks that... Uh, have no military experience and um, 
you know, there it's just amazing the number of, of Americans, and I believe you had pointed out that only 1% of the populace ever served in any shape, form, or fashion. And, and I, you know, you until you start talking to people, they have no clue. And this is why we just... This is why we do the show, and we're going to continue to do the show until can't talk anymore, is that we can't let any of our veterans be forgotten. And Absolutely, David. There are so many ways we're working with. Uh, we want to remind everybody that um, of the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame and Colonel Ritt, uh Rick White has done a fantastic job, and Paul, uh, I can never say his last name, um, Linegar, right? Or close? Yes, uh-huh. But anyway... Senator Harbison is uh, the overall sponsor and has been instrumental from the uh, state capitol yes, in sir. making the uh, Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame uh, a reality. And it is super, and uh, out of love and respect for veterans... Uh, please go down and and take a couple of hours and go through and look at who from Georgia, the folks that have helped keep our country safe and and made it what it is and uh, preserved what it was and what it is. And this is remembering our veterans is so important. And there are several. Uh, I didn't realize this, but and I'm, I'm sure you've got the statistic because of the things that you're doing, Richard, is that one out of four homeless on the street, one out of four are veterans. Yes. And that's deplorable. It's, Absolutely it's deplorable. approximately uh, 12 to 15,000 statewide currently in the state of Georgia. And mm. we're working hard to get them off the street and uh, get them into some... Uh, affordable housing that can uh, take care of them. You know, the old old Indian saying of uh, until you've walked a mile in my shoes, and uh, particularly this season, this, this time of the year in Georgia, and I can't address every place else, but in Georgia, I go to bed at night and I pray for our homeless, and I pray for our veterans. I, you know, a lot of times you'll hear people say, well, I can just imagine what you went through in Iraq. or what. No, you can't. Not unless you were in General Dixie's little bitty boots. You can't imagine what he was going through. And I can't imagine at night laying down on cold con- concrete and trying to sleep. And I just, my heart just, it breaks. And uh, this is why we have to remember the veterans. And, oh, well, they just can't handle it. Uh, do you think you could handle it? And, you know, it's it just uh, our country is the most blessed country in the world. And our people are the most blessed people in the world. And when you go to bed at night, think about what you could do for a veteran, a homeless veteran. Absolutely. So, we're going to talk about um, the uh, those that are left behind, and uh, you wanted to talk about, oh, I, w- I wanted to ask you, too, on a current event level, 
What uh, we have our coronavirus, and uh, I know I'm taking precautions, and and not extreme crazy anything. Just uh, uh, Richard knows our situation here at the studio. We're a small business, and uh, quite frankly, I can't afford to get sick. And uh, as I went into church yesterday, the organist was coughing. There were a lot of people in our narthex that were coughing. And I said, you know, I just really, I don't want to catch something. So I got out and left. And I don't think right. God's going to uh, do anything to me for leaving. But, I, you know, it wasn't me. It was them that was coughing. And uh, I didn't want to stay there. So, you know, you um, you have to take care of yourself. Absolutely. You know, and uh, the military takes uh, extraordinary precautions to protect the force. And, you know, the, the same things that we do to protect ourselves from the flu are the same things that we uh, we need to do uh, to protect ourselves from uh, this current strain of, of the, the virus. And it, it's not a new <laughs> virus, per se, but it's a new strain. And, uh, you know, so the CDC is working on that aspect to make sure they got a vaccine and uh, they get it out worldwide. But, you know, wash your hands. Uh, cover your mouth when you sneeze. If you're not feeling good, stay home. Um, you know, and at the first sign of something being wrong, go ahead and uh, get to the nearest uh, medical treatment facility and get taken care of so you don't uh, pass on whatever little bug you may have just picked up to the rest of the force. And that's what the military is working on, you know. And uh, you've got the Defense Logistics Agency preparing to uh, get the um, – protective gear worldwide uh, similar to what we did in the Ebola uh, outbreak uh, a couple of years ago. So you know, the force will be protected the American people will be protected uh, we've got to stay calm and we got to remind everybody that, uh, you know, this virus has been around and uh, you know, uh, the Lysol disinfectant spray is real good at dis- disinfecting and knocking down that particular uh, virus and uh, rendering your houses safe, you know. So maintain your current cleaning procedures and, uh, you know, just take it from there. We'll be fine. And avoid, uh, you know, you don't have to go be with 10,000 of your best friends at a at a whatever. You can skip yeah. one or two of those every now and then. And uh, this yep. is, you know, and uh, Richard knows that I've sent this out from the studio. If, if you're feeling bad or your guest is feeling bad, it's not going to, it's not the end of the world to play an archive or for us to do something different because, you know, it, uh, and people, you know, people don't realize this too, is, is uh, even in a small business, what it really winds up costing, it's not just one person being out sick, it's other people being out sick or the, the time off, the time that's lost, and so forth and so on. And I, I gotta uh, certainly have to concur with you on the fact that the military jumps all over everything. In a situation like this, I'm sure they're um, just doing incredible things and uh, have plans in place. And, uh, um, you know, I think we will be safe. Oh, yeah, we'll be fine, Dave. We'll you, be fine. you worked the Ebola thing, didn't you? Yes, I did. I was the uh, commanding general for uh, DLA distribution out of Susquehanna, Pennsylvania. 
and we deployed the uh, civilian force that delivered um, the uh, medical equipment and gear for the medical professionals. And then we handed off to the 101st Airborne uh, once they were prepared and ready to deploy. So uh, DLA was instrumental in getting equipment and medical supplies over to West Africa, getting it staged, and then getting it in the hands of the medical professionals so they could take care of the population. And the CDC was able to uh, render uh, medical procedures and a cure to uh, stop the spread of the Ebola virus uh, back in um, early or mid-2016. Wow. Well, thank you. As as I do, generally uh, at uh, at attention, I'll thank the general, but uh, thank you for the action that you took then. And uh, like I said, I'll re-up as soon as uh, I'm sure that uh, General Dix will be my commanding officer. <laughs> cool. And I, and I can get a waiver for 110 years old. <laughs> I'll be ready to serve with you any time, Dave. Cool. <laughs> so we, we've got a lady next to you that uh, obviously knows what it's like to uh, be left behind. How many times has that happened? Let's see. What, about four or five times? Six, Six times. Six times. And when you first hear the news, you know, you, you get a little sad and um, a little worried because your whole future changes right there. And, you know, what you've planned for your future has been changed because you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you have to learn to take on new roles, new responsibilities. You have to get um, your mindset first. And, you know, that's, that's a lot of uh, setting, too, when you get to thinking about it. Because, just like you said, and, I, you know, we're, we're all friends, but I don't know all of your role. I don't know all of Richard's role. And, and so... All of a sudden, you're taking on two roles when your when your when your spouse is gone. In many yep. cases, that's that's very true. Let, let me ask, you know, David. Uh, yes, when sir. I deployed to Croatia in support of the Bosnian operations, uh, you know, we lived off of the military installation uh, in the uh, German village of Rodenbach uh, near Kaiserslautern, Germany. So those aspects of a reservist spouse being away from the military installation, Cynthia has dealt with that in the past. Yeah, um, but what, what was different, there was a military community nearby that we could plug into, and we also had the uh, family support groups um, that were um, very helpful and I did engage in, in those and become part of those so that I could keep in touch and had other spouses around that were in the same situation. Unlike uh, reservists, a lot of times they are not near military bases and and the families are, are pretty much on their own without a whole lot of support. Oh, yeah. This is... Yeah, the uh, the Army's done a great job uh, recently of making sure that they get uh, the family readiness and the family support groups out to reserve elements and National Guard troops 
to help them out and stuff. But, you know, uh, just like anything else, David, if you don't know about it, you can't plug in. If you don't plug in, you can't benefit from it. So That's right. I didn't realize that you were in Kaiserslautern? Kaiserslautern? Yeah. <laughs> that's where, For seven years. That's, that's where my son is. Um, in the Air Force. Oh, he's with the 21st TSC? Uh, or the Signal Command? Well, he, uh, out of Ronstadt. Oh, yeah, um, he's at uh, Ramstein Air Force Base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Doing well. Yeah, I... Uh, I don't know why that that's been overlooked, but yeah, we'll talk about that one of these days when when you're in. Um, anyway, yeah, the the difference is, and we started this during Desert Shield, I believe it was Desert Shield, when uh, that was basically the first time the uh, uh, I don't want to say first time, but one of the biggest times that the reservists was were called up. Correct? Yes, uh huh. Okay. And that was one of the lessons learned from Desert Storm that led to the development and the activation of family support groups and family readiness groups That's and good. the uh, training army-wide to make sure that the uh, command teams along with the uh, commander and their spouse were um, trained in dealing with the situations that uh, deployments cause or bring up in a time of conflict. Well, this was this was something that we took on as the radio station was reminding folks that, uh, you know, if your neighbor has been deployed, you know, the wise, as a reservist, you're, you know what you could happen, but gee, it just really most of the time doesn't ever happen. And yet it did happen. And so we, we reminded people if your neighbor next door has been deployed, Offer to help that wife out. Offer to change the light bulbs. Offer to do whatever, you know, fix the gate or do whatever it is. Yep. Because, you know, they're they're taking care of you by being deployed. Help them out. And it was a whole new experience for a lot of folks. It, uh, Absolutely. You know. And, and you know, um, it transcended uh, gender because there were wives and husbands that were left behind. Oh, yeah. That uh, were placed in the new roles that they they haven't rarely uh, or traditionally taken part in. And, you know, um, <laughs> I tell you, uh, other wives reaching out to help male spouses and uh, the children and doing hair and, you know, <laughs> getting kids to and from soccer practice, you know, while they were working on the installation or off the installation, um, you know, it, it takes a village. And the military community is, is a great village. Uh, I'll let Cynthia speak on that. In, in, um, I, when my daughter was born, um, I think Rich was home for like two weeks. No, four days. Four days, and then he was deployed. Wow. And so uh, I think it, my parents were going to come, but it was going to be a couple of weeks before they got there. And there I was in Germany uh, with a newborn, um, living in a, a German community. Um, but with the assistance of the family support group and also with neighbors, um, my German neighbors that I established relationships with, um, I had a great support. And um, just living in that community and getting to know the people there um, 
was a, a great help, a great support, and um, it made life there in Germany a lot easier. And I and it helped me to quickly learn, you know, what I needed to do, um, how I need to get around, and then to take care of that newborn baby, you know, for a couple of weeks until my parents got there to help me. And it, it worked out because I had that support there. And it's the same uh, here in the States or in other uh, countries where our military serves, David. Uh, so it's not just um, overseas, but, you know, you have villages here in the United States that are our local communities where if they see that yellow ribbon hanging out, uh, which means that someone in that house is deployed, uh, they, they chip in to help out. And that's a great environment and a great tool that we've got to continue to stress. And uh, that's one of the things that we benefit from doing this show, is making sure that people understand exactly what is asked of our military and their families when we go into harm's way. And a great example is the uh, the mermaids over at LA Fitness and the Aqua <laughs> PT that we do Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And they take care of uh, local veterans, and they do a great job of uh, making sure that um, we are honored on a daily basis. That's, and, that's uh, fantastic. It's a great environment. Yeah, the the shame of it all, though, is that you know we're we're talking unfortunately small numbers to a degree that everybody in the United States doesn't appreciate it. And this is where I, I, I must say I lean towards Israel that everybody should serve in so, some capacity because there are so many people, and I say so many, I, I can't tell you the exact number that are listening right now, but they will hear this broadcast either as a, a podcast or archived on our website or whatever that will hear this. And they have no idea what it means and what the support groups mean and what it is to, um, you know, Cynthia, when you married Richard, did you say, okay, I understand, and then got slapped upside the head when, when he was deployed? Well, for me, I, I had been living on my own for a while and you know I had my own house I had a couple of cars so when we got married um, and he deployed it wasn't a it wasn't a great shock because I was used to taking care of myself and taking care of business um, but for those um, young couples you know, they're just out of high school or, you know, just young. They don't have that under their belt. And that can lead to a lot of, um, a lot of chaos um, for not being um, mature. Sure, sure. And, uh, you know, and... Richard, I don't know what you're doing, but it sounds like the alarms are going off. <laughs> you know, this this is a whole different aspect of of the military, and it's even um, when you're packing to be deployed, it's it's different. Uh, if you're at home packing, or if you're on base packing, 
It's uh, it's different in many ways, but a- absolutely, you know, I, absolutely. A, a prime example is, uh, you know, after uh, twenty plus years of marriage in the military and over fourteen moves, David. You know, we just executed the first uh, move non-military, and uh, you know, having to do everything. Uh, pretty much on our own without the uh, support of the military establishment, you know, and uh, it opens your eyes, but it also uh, makes you grateful for the institution and the support that the military brings, and uh, the American people make that possible, but a lot of um, our citizens, you know, that that less than 1% that never serve they don't understand or the 99% that don't serve they have no idea what military personnel and their families go through and uh, the, the Department of Defense civilians and their families and what they go through you know as, as we've talked in the past Richard the the, uh, the military is a uh, psychology class in in the works and it's taking on you know how much of that has changed since the revolution since the the wars of the of the states the wars of of the indian wars and all this and yet they continue there there's just something in the military that uh it's a psychology of some sort that they know when and where and how, and if they don't know how, they're going to figure out how. And, right, uh, pretty much, David. Uh, the uh, you know, like we talked on several shows before, you know, war in its true essence hasn't really changed over time. Technology has changed, but the same concerns that uh, the spouses that were supporting the Revolutionary War all the way to Desert Storm and beyond. Uh, those concerns, they, they never change. You know, uh, they sit there night in wondering if their spouse is going to return okay. and if they're going to be okay. And uh, and what the future holds. Yeah, absolutely, what the future holds. And the support systems that bring us together as a, as a nation and uh, makes us the greatest army in the world are the things that we benefit from. And then don't forget about the children that um, go through this because that can be, um, and most of the time it's really hard on the kids. And it, it takes some some planning and um, just getting them ready prior to deployment. Oh, wow. and, during, and during the deployment, you have to get them in a battle rhythm, their new normal. And some, some kids are able to make the transition, and then a lot of them are not able to make that transition and cause a whole lot of issues for the family. Mm-hmm. Cynthia, now you realize that I am a man's man, and I'm, you know, strong and tough and all of this kind of... I tell you what, when they show some of the some of the scenes on, on uh, television on Fox or wherever you might be watching of... Somebody that's coming back and surprises his kid on the baseball field or in school or whatever. I must say, I get salt in my eye because 
I get extra water that rolls down my cheek. <laughs> Rich and, did do that. You know, um, and I just... Su- he surprised that daughter um, when she was in elementary school. And that was awesome. And, it, and that made uh, things a lot easier. And a lot... Um, she was able to handle things a lot better, you know, because she did have a chance to see her dad and see that he was he was good that you know and folks just uh, folks that have never had family members or never had never been in themselves the sacrifices that it's not it's not only raising your hand and saying you will protect and defend it's also the fact that i will give up time with my family i will give up i will sacrifice this that and the other as will my family sacrifice. And, um, yeah, you know, anytime you mention the word homeless veteran or you mention uh, can't get medical treatment, veteran can't get this or that, I, I must say I have a hard time keeping it together, that uh, I want to yell at somebody, I want to, we, we have to take care of the people that have taken care of us. And that's what this show is about. And with that being said, I want to mention the fact that uh, we do support the Georgia Military Veterans Hall of Fame. And also, uh, coming attraction very shortly, is uh, the J.C. Johns Creek Healing Wall that will be dedicated March the 28th in Johns Creek, Georgia. It's the 50% size of the... Vietnam Wall in uh, Washington that traveled all over the United States. Johns Creek bought it, and they are giving it a permanent home in Newtown Park in Johns Creek, and it is a sight to be seen. And if you don't have plans, please make plans to come out March the 28th to the opening ceremony. The There'll be all sorts of kinds of officials there, and... Um, It'll be covered by America's Web Radio as well. I'll be there. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it just, you know, what, what's the old saying? If you, if you don't read and respect history, you're doomed to repeat it. And uh, we just can't repeat some of the, some of the things that uh, have happened in the past. And we have to remember our veterans. Have to. Absolutely. In fact, with that being said, if you see somebody at the airport that's wearing a Vietnam cap or a Desert Shield or Desert Storm cap or anything, American Legion, and you know that they were in the military, buy them a dinner. Or you see somebody in uniform, buy them a dinner or buy them a drink and, and go up and, like somebody told me the other day, the most important thing is just thank you for your service. And, again... Over the air, thank you for the number of years that you put in and gave service to your country, General Dix. It's it just, you're my hero. Well, you know, I couldn't have got it done without this lady that's sitting right next to me. So, you know, it's been a true blessing, and it's been an honor to serve. Well, it, it means a lot to uh, a lot of people, and uh, and I want to thank Cynthia too for you know for her sacrifice. And uh, you're welcome, David. Well, you know it's 
people just have to know, and that's what we're doing the show about, is that we have to keep, and unfortunately, there are a lot of people that are as dumb as I am, and it takes hitting them over the head with a sledgehammer to get your point across. And uh, we just have to keep beating them until they get the idea that we have to take care of our veterans. And we have to take care of them in many, many ways. And it shouldn't be, oh, well, they're just veterans, or, oh, well, they, you know, they just couldn't handle it. No, they've been through, like, like the old Audie Murphy movie, to hell and back. And that's, many veterans have. And uh, you, you're never too young or too old to reach out and say thank you and, uh, and, uh, and appreciate and respect the veterans. So, we've got, um, what was your biggest issue, Cynthia, when, when uh, Richard was gone? Um, let's see, the biggest issue. <laughs> uh, during wintertime, uh, during the snow. Ah. <laughs> In Virginia, I remember we had a, a blizzard. And everybody was out shoveling snow because we had, oh, I don't know, about four or five feet of snow. But because everybody was in their own yard shoveling snow, I was out there shoveling by myself. Mm. And I remember being so tired. I went in the house, I cried, <laughs> took a nap, got back up, and finished shoveling the snow. Well, let me, wait um, a second. Let me ask. Does that mean that he sings Jody's and shovels snow, too? When I'm home. Oh, okay. I, I happened to be deployed to Afghanistan when, <laughs> when that blizzard came in 2007, 2008. Yeah, but the same thing happened again uh, when we were stationed in Iowa. Uh, blizzard came. He was deployed. Uh, and this, I was in a, um, a community with a lot of older adults then. And so there again, I was out shoveling my own snow. <laughs> But, um, and, and then, let's see. Uh, what about the uh, family that you helped at the uh, German hospital? Uh, the One of our service members with the poor. Oh, yeah, the, the son had to be rushed to the emergency room. And um, the mom, of course, didn't speak German. And Well, no, she, it, she actually spoke German. Her American husband was deployed forward in Afghanistan. And Cynthia went to the hospital to uh, help translate the uh, American medical paperwork to the German doctors so they would accept our TRICARE medical and treat uh, the son who needed emergency surgery. Wow. Why, that's quite a responsibility. Is it, Cynthia, let me ask, is there, and this may, I assume that there's no way that you can say, oh, well, I'm used to this. Because every deployment's going to be different. Every deployment situation is going to be different. Our task is going to be different. And I assume that there's no no getting used to it, I guess, is what I'm looking for. No, it's not, because you never know what you're going to come up against. Uh, you don't know what the future is going to hold. And I, I know that you're only 22 years old, Cynthia, so... This may this may be asking way out of the realms, but you probably have been through it 
with and without the computer and with the, with and without yes. Skype and all of that. So did, did that, I know during uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and um, Storm that you did have access to the computer and, and to uh, the ability to see Richard. Did what? How? Give us a little scenario of the difference before and, and now. Um, before, um, we, we could, we had the computer, but we didn't have uh, video chat. Right. You know, we could communicate via email and, and telephone. And mail. But, you know, we could not see each other. And, and that made it hard for the kids. It, it became a lot easier um, once we were able to video chat. You know, because there was real time where the kids could talk, you know, and, you know, he could read a story to to them, you know, to mimic being there. Yeah, we could talk about how your day went in school yeah. or as they were preparing for school. It was the middle of the night in Afghanistan or Iraq, and I was preparing to, you know, uh, walk the perimeter to make sure everybody was safe and then, you know, get in the bed for the you know, some sleep, and the kids were getting ready to go to school. And yet, you know, I think of my father that was in World War II, and the communications were <laughs> bad to none other than, like you said, letters, snail mail. But, you know, you, I, I, I can't imagine the effect on the, on the spouse, and back then it would have been mainly women, that were left behind and and uh, they've just gotten the visit from the chaplain, and then two days later they get a handwritten letter from the husband that they find have already found out died in combat. And I, I the, you know, the thought of that, and and with you know our communications, like you said uh, today, not that it makes it easier, but it makes it at least more palatable. I guess. If, is that a fair statement? Yeah, I, I would say so. You know, we, we did have some tough times and challenges, uh, both during the deployment and uh, when I was the uh, rear group commander in Germany. You know, we had uh, one of the soldiers that uh, worked at our Donna facility uh, passed away, and uh, that hit the unit real hard. Uh, we also uh, lost uh, three people in combat. Uh, and two of the three were uh, from the unit in Germany while we were in Afghanistan. So uh, Cynthia and the other spouses uh, helped pitch in to take care of those families as, uh, you know, we prepared for more services and other things like that, you know. So, um, you know, the spouses play an invaluable role there, and uh, the U.S. military is a total family effort uh, from top to bottom. Richard, has this always been the case, or did we just finally wake up to it? Well, I'll say, um, you know, some units uh, in the past did it better than others. Um, and as leaders grow or have grown in the military, they saw the need to put in uh, policies and new procedures to make sure the families and the uh, the personnel were taken care of both at home station and forward deployed. So, you know, it's, it's, it's like 
like anything in life, David, you know, you have moments where you will learn a hard life lesson and then you'll uh, apply, you know, practical uh, policies and procedures to make sure it doesn't happen again. And uh, it's the continual evolution that makes us a better army and a better America. You know, and that's why we stress taking care of each other and, uh, you know, remembering that uh, we're at our greatest when we participate as one. You know, Richard, I'm getting sort of tired of all this. You always come up with some of the most profound statements, and I feel like I'm sitting here with my finger in my ear. And, uh, you know, you, you, you outdo me every every show by miles. And uh, what you just said was just incredible. And I'm glad you're not here because you'd see that salt in my eyes again. That's But that was beautiful. Well, you know, David, I learned from our conversation. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest joys that I have in doing the show and uh, being a great friend of yours is the fact that I get to ask you questions that I get to learn. And, uh, you know, I, I, I try very hard to practice what I preach. You know, uh, I want to make sure that the insight that we're providing is just that. It's insight. It's great dialogue, great conversation. But more importantly, it's uh, a conversation or a dialogue that brings us together, not pushes us apart. And uh, your friendship has been a great uh, instrument that I get to participate with. And, uh, you know, you, you you sell yourself short a lot, Dave. But you, well, you that's, a, that's the way I've been all my life is short. <laughs> And I don't think I'm going to grow up now, but I will if I keep surrounding myself by people like you and Cynthia. And uh, so much respect. It just, you know, and and our friendship was almost instant. Which is, I've I've uh, I think about you a lot. And uh, then after our uh, dinner that night, what a great great dinner and and meeting your bride and. Uh, you know, so much love was at that table that night, that which I found very interesting. Um, it was just a just a neat evening. But so, what do you let's let's get some people to join the military today? Uh, I think I know what my my son has gone through, and and it's been he's got to travel the world, and um, I think kids overlook what an opportunity the military is. Absolutely. You know, I'm, I met a young man two weeks ago, David. Uh, his last name is Cross, and I'll leave it at that. Uh, great young man with great potential. And, uh, you know, uh, he recently discovered that college may not be the right avenue for him right now, but uh, he's on the right track. And uh, I was introduced to him, or reintroduced to him, and I had a great conversation with him and uh, talked about what he wanted for the future. And I told him that, you know, the military is a great way to see and develop and get prepared for the future. And uh, I linked him up with the Army recruiter, the battalion commander for the city of Atlanta and uh, the surrounding metropolitan areas. And they had a great conversation. Uh, he really wants to be a, a military policeman. Uh, great insight, great future. And 
I told him, I said, hey, uh, I believe in you, and I know you're prepared to for greatness, and it depends on you. It's your choice, and it's your decision to move out and execute. And, uh, you know, he looked over his shoulder and he said, that means a lot that somebody believes in me. And that's where you get out of the military. You know, we take young men and women, and, you know, they're boys and girls when they come in, and they're young men and women when they come out. And uh, for me, it was the greatest experience that uh, next to marrying this lovely woman to my right and uh, our children, the greatest joys that I've had over the past 34 years. And uh, if I had it to do all over again, I'd do it exactly the same way, David. You know, it's, I, I guess some people call it institution, but it is the most phenomenal institution in the world. And as I say many, many times, the largest fraternity or sorority in the world. And once you've served in any capacity, you're finally getting that through my thick skull. But once you've served in any capacity, you're you're part of that fraternity and sorority for the rest of your life, and uh, Absolutely. you know that, uh, and and you learn how to fall in and help people, and mm-hmm. uh, and what it means to be helped. And I remember <laughs> some of those um, uh, those roads, and there were nothing but powder, like you had at Fort Hood. Um, after the mechanized people had ground them into uh, nothing and yep. uh, doing a forced march, which is not a whole lot of fun, and uh, <laughs> and you're about to fall on your face and your buddy comes up and, well, let me carry that a little while. Absolutely. And uh, you just, uh, you know, yeah, you, you make friendships and you you love guys and gals or whatever, but you, you get a brotherhood, you get a, I don't know what all it's called, but it's just it's just something that you have and uh, mm-hmm. I, I would venture to say your deployments and and this may sound this is going way out of my base but your deployments probably strengthen yours and Cynthia's marriage in many ways yeah I, I would say so because it um, individually um, you found out what you were made of you know, and your hopes for the future, you know, were made more more permanent. And you know, knowing that I was with the right person that I, that I was made to be with, and um, that we had something special, and that we had it, whether we were together or whether we were apart. Mm. Together, each achieves more. Teamwork. Yep. Wow. You know, teamwork and, uh, makes the dream work. <laughs> <laughs> and and how long was that first hug when you got back, Richard? Oh man, uh, probably a day and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to let go. You know, and I, I guess uh, one other quick question is: uh, looking at at our previous wars, even Vietnam, and and it was somewhat higher tech than anything else, but. World War Two, not seeing your family or your for months on end, and and letters were lucky if you got them every three or four weeks. You know, how would you feel if you'd gone without the technology? 
it have been tougher. It, it would have definitely been tougher. I just, you uh, know, not to to be able to hear, at least hear the voice, would have made it extremely tough. Oh yeah. You know, and uh, I'm sure the the picture in mind would begin to fade. <laughs> Okay, now I'll give you a, a good example, David. It's, yes, sir. Uh, you know, when we were in Desert Shield, Desert Storm, uh, we had a uh, fire at the uh, the Consolidated Divisional Mail Room, and uh, probably a brigade and a half of mail was destroyed in the fire. Oh, wow. And so we had soldiers that went literally uh, eight to nine weeks with no mail whatsoever during mail call. And, um, you know, these young troopers were devastated and they felt all alone and that nobody loved them. And we didn't find out until probably about two or three months after we returned to Fort Stewart that there was a huge fire and all of our mail was destroyed, you know. So <laughs> that, that was a tough situation right there. Oh, I, I can imagine the... Uh other other than the fact that it wasn't just one, if that had happened to just one person, mm-hmm. the imagination would go extremely wild. But since it did have, happen to a lot, at least the, the imagination, well, you could talk to your buddy and say, well, he didn't get any mail, I didn't get any mail, and, and uh, something must be going on, blame it on Uncle Sam. But uh, if, it's, if you're there and that happened and you were the only person, oh, my imagination would have been running... Rampant, and which is oh yeah, bad Jody got your girl and go. Yeah, <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth there, Richard. And how did you know what I was thinking? Hmm. I told you, man, it's a good friendship. It's a good friendship, David. And it's it's just, uh, and this is just one of, gosh, hundreds of thousands of things that, uh, you know. You, you crawl on a cot to go to sleep, and you don't know what's going to happen next. And uh, uh, I, if they ain't been there and done that, then keep your mouth shut. And, uh, you know, I just uh, I, I pray over our veterans, and thank goodness we're basically not at war today. And uh, I, it would be a, a blessing if we never had to send troops into harm's way again. That would be the most fantastic thing that, that could happen. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I doubt that that will ever happen. Uh, Absolutely. Man doesn't, man can't, man can't handle man very well. And it's got to be the woman's fault, I would think. <laughs> All right, David. <laughs> <laughs> Blame it on the spouse. If uh, Cynthia, let me ask you one last question. If you had advice to give to I guess it doesn't matter the age but say a younger couple maybe that uh, looking at the first deployment well what's the advice that you would give the the spouse is um, to decide every day that you love you know decide that every day and, and live by that I think no. the the reassurance from the spouse is, is is are we on the same same plane? David, the other thing I would say is to to get involved, um, you know, with other spouses 
that are in your situation, get involved in the community, you know. Mm-hmm. Just get involved and continue to live and support and decide every day that that person that is deployed, that you love them. Yeah, work hard to make someone else's day a good day. Make your day go a little bit faster. Yes, sir. I tell you, two of the two of the neatest people in the world I'm talking with, <laughs> and uh, I think we got to have dinner again one of these times pretty soon. Absolutely, looking forward to it. You know, and uh, I just I can't believe I've been so blessed by getting to to meet you all and be friends with you all, and. This is this is what the military brings out the best of everybody, I think. And um, if you, I I hope the people that are listening will take some of our advice. If you've got a if you've got a son or a daughter that uh, hasn't quite made up their mind what they want to do tomorrow, then have them look at the military. Have them have them call us. Have them email us and. Uh, We'll give them an answer, you know, and uh, we're more than happy to do that. And um, if you know someone that's been deployed or you know a family that's their husband or wife or whatever is deployed, then just do a little something extra. Make that extra pancake. Make that extra dessert or salad or whatever. And just let them know that you appreciate the person that's been deployed in whatever circumstance. And... uh, Ask them whether it's in your church or in your association or at your school, whatever it happens to be. Um, and and when you get the opportunity, thank them for their service. That uh, you know, I, <laughs> we weren't exactly thanked for our service, uh, and not me, but uh, my friends that were coming back from Vietnam, we weren't thanked for our service, but. Today, they are being thanked for their service, and I think that's, they should be. And it's well-deserved, and you should be too, David. Well, you and I have discussed that a few times. And <laughs> Anyway, uh, it, is, it is important, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, you don't realize how important until you've raised that right hand, and then you say, you know, I think I just said I'll go die for my country, and that's what you've done. And uh, it's it's not a matter of being a hero or anything else. It's a matter of giving back to a nation that's given to us and and continues to give to us. We may not always agree with everything, but we still live in the best country in the world, and uh, I love it, and I love our flag. Absolutely. And we still got work to do. And we still got still work. level to play in field. Yes, and, sir. Uh, as long as we hold to that aspect and work together to achieve that, we'll continue to be a great nation. I believe it, and I, uh, I just hope other people will realize some of the things that we're going through right now. Let me ask, uh, Richard, when, when I was in school, and this is the, I know we don't get into politics most of the time, but when I was in school, I was taught that socialism is the first step towards communism, and we're certainly seeing that in Venezuela right now. Um, 
Was that the same thing you were taught? Uh, yes, in, in varying degrees. You know, it's um, a free, open democracy is uh, a great example. But I, I tell people, especially as I traveled overseas, to remember that uh, we're probably the youngest country out there uh, in the developed world at about 242 years uh, old. And when you think of it from that perspective, you know, there are countries in Europe that, you know, dwarf us, and they're still working on their democratic society, you know, and facing some of those uh, challenges that socialism brings uh, to your door. You know, uh, open dialogue and uh, a, a good understanding, I think, will help us avoid... Um, some of the traps and some of the pitfalls that communism and uh, socialism have uh, suffered from over the years. Well, with, with that being said, I've got to say that we're starting a new show very on Wednesday, as a matter of fact, and it's called Agent in Charge. And the gentleman that's going to be doing the show has been with Homeland Security and various other federal agencies and spent many, many years in Russia, in Moscow, and uh, he's going to be shedding some very interesting light on many different situations. Uh, nothing that's um, top secret or anything like that, and don't want him to say that it is, but what he can talk about, he will be talking about, and uh, it will be a very, very enlightening show, because... Not that we've been misled intentionally, but not everything we hear on the news is true. And uh, we'll be starting that show on Wednesday. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yeah, absolutely. That's going to be a great show, David. I'm looking forward to it on Wednesday. Yes, sir. It should be very interesting. And uh, we uh, I haven't really gotten permission to use his name yet, but if I do, I'll use it. If not, we'll we'll just have to... Keep it between ourselves. But anyway, with that being said, I've got to put the plug in the jug and get out of here. And uh, I want to thank General Dix and uh, and his commanding officer, Cynthia Dix, for a, a great show. And uh, I hope people will not only that have listened to it today, but will replay it, but also tell their friends to listen to the archive. This was a very important show. General Dix, thank you, sir. Absolutely. Have a great day, Dave. And uh, keep working Until on next week. keep working on that voice. I believe Broadway has a place for you. <laughs> we'll see you all. Come on. Hope to see you soon, David. Thank you, ma'am. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.